This week on the Boag World Show, we're looking at working with web professionals, including recruitment and side-by-side collaboration. Boagworld.com, the pod- Do you know what? I'm just fed up with this podcast. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be at work. I'm fed up with you. I'm fed up with work. You I'm fed up with fed web up. design. I'm fed up with Winchester. I'm fed up with the British weather. I'm fed up with... Sun shining through the window. It is funny, actually. That is something. I will give you that. I'm fed up with the pe- fact that that picture on the wall is wonky and it's just driving me around twist. What else am I fed up with? Fixed. Yeah, not bad. The walls are wonky, which doesn't help, but it's not bad at all. You were going to start the show with I Hate Everything, weren't you? No, I, was, I Hate the Podcast, which uh, is pretty much what I said, except I went with fed up rather than hate. Hate's such a, such strong, a word, strong word, as my mother it? used to yes, say. Yes, it is. Well, she still says it. She's not dead. <laughs> I shouldn't talk about her like she's dead. I say that. I love you, mummy. Such a strong word. Do you really mean that? Yeah. Do you really? Do you really hate them? Yes. <laughs> Well, I did say just before the show started that I am turning into Jeremy Clarkson, so so perhaps I do hate them. Yes, we got to especially those liberals. What would Jeremy say? What would Jeremy say? New uh, segment on the show. I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> It'd be great. I've got to find clips of Jeremy Clarkson saying what would Jeremy say and make a, an amalgamation of those things. I'm not going to do it. Obviously, you could get one of those bracelets. Far you know too those... long doing that brilliant music. It is brilliant music. <laughs> I quite liked it actually. And it's been Twitter has been very complimentary about it. The worst thing that's been said is it's not really appropriate for the show, which, which is, it isn't. I completely agree. But I it's was very just, good. Just having a bit of a. Fun. Let's do something different. It was certainly a lot better than Lee's pitiful attempt. <laughs> I mean, what the hell was that? That was the most embarrassing thing ever. Never mind. Bless him. Bless him. Don't you love him? No, actually, if you think about it, if you have a um, had a what would Jeremy do bat thing, mm. you could use the one sort of that Christians use. You know, Christians wear bands that says uh, it's W. You know, what would Jesus do? Okay. You just the J it's could exactly be for Jeremy. The same, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it would be no extra printing costs, and it'd be great. And everybody would be thinking that you're some religious nutter when actually you're some right wing conservative yeah. Jeremy Clarkson lover, petrol head. That's such a hard choice, isn't it? What between what, those what two between extremes? People, what, which which would, would you prefer people to think you were? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Well, I know which way I'd lean, and I think I know which way you'd lean. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I hate things like that. You know, it's also right on, isn't it? Uh, it's, uh, well, it's, it's the whole kind of, um, you know, having fish on the back of your car and all that kind of stuff. Have you never heard our song, the show dog song? No. Called Fish on My Car. Oh, it's very rude. Oh, I'm sure Christians. it is. Well, it probably uh, we probably deserve we've it. We've always described it as an anti-clubist song. 
Outie club. Oh, the idea that you shouldn't be in a club and a yeah. clique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, the worst uh-huh. place for that, you, know, you shouldn't be like that in Tallinn Church. Uh-huh. But the reason I don't have a fish on the back of my car, setting aside the fact that I don't like such things, mm. is because then you have to drive properly. Good point. I'd never thought of it like that. Such a bad idea. But my, uh, the, my friend now Phil, I can who wrote people, the words, yeah. assumes that um, people who put fish on the back of their car are very arrogant. I've got to find some of the words. Why, why, uh, why, why arrogant? Oh, um, not arrogant. Um, above oh, everyone. Oh, holier than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what annoys me even more are the people that put a fish on the back of their car, which has got Darwin and little legs. Yeah. Because that's just, <laughs> that's just going up you. And anyway, I'm a Christian and, and I like Darwin. What's, you know, so does that mean, does that, yeah. They think it's, it's having a go at Christians, but perhaps actually they're just saying they're Christians which l- believe in evolution too. It's all very confusing. It is. Uh, how has this got anything to do with Jeremy Clarkson? Uh, I, um, oh, because of the What Would Jesus Do banner. Yeah, yeah that's it. I knew there was a, a link there somewhere. I was so hoping I had the lyrics here. I don't know, I might have. You must have the lyrics for your own song. Yeah, it was written probably in 1998. So what, uh, made, so what made me... That was the year I got married, in case you wanted to know. I've got the song here, but... Play the song. No, not now, because it'd take too long. But I, 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 I might add a little bit. Oh yeah, play at the end. Play at the end. Yeah. That'd be cool because um, everybody wants to hear you dissing Christians. It's it's very funny. I didn't write the words. I've said I uh-huh. didn't uh-huh. write the words. I wrote the music. But you just said it's funny, which means you basically agree with it. It is funny. Anyway, the reason that I was talking about being like Jeremy Clarkson is I'm getting dissed for one of the posts this week, right? Yeah. Because um, I wrote uh, a post on the web recruitment crisis, which is one of the things we're going to talk about later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and through the post, I referred to the developer as he, mm-hmm. right? Um, aren't all developers blokes? <sighs> See, this is where I'm getting into trouble. <laughs> and, and uh, okay, some people picked me up on it that you know i should have used the feminine or i should have just avoided it and gone they or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're supposed to do um but i responded saying i don't know whether it makes a lot of difference whether you how you refer to it and i think i kind of poked a hornet's nest Mm -hmm. as is my occasional one you've never done that before no phil i should have heard phil earlier you and phil you're so similar in so many ways and so different in others he read fish on my car. Oh, right. <laughs> I would get on really well, I'm sure. You would, actually. It probably would, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, I don't know. I honestly don't know about it. It feels to me, I should have just rolled over and gone, yes, of course, I'll, I'll correct it. And like, for example, in the book I've just written, I, I've made sure that I've mixed genders in, in the book. But for some reason, it just got on my tits a bit, <laughs> for want of a better word. I know what you mean. I mean I s- it feels like scratching around the edge of an issue right instead of fixing this issue we're going to do this little thing over here right well you know there there are there are lots of proactive things we should be doing can i ask a question yeah if you had been referring to i don't know a project manager as he all the way through would people have had the same issue or was it just the fact that we're talking about developers well i don't know because i'm not in weirdo's heads No, I take that back. I take that. No, the people that raise this issue are raising a perfectly legitimate point. Well, it depends um, where you come from, I and mean, that's why I was asking that question. Yeah, um, if you're, if you've got a problem with it, well, you can, I could argue it both ways on, from both angles. Actually, I mean, uh, I've got, but, but you know, referring to he when you mean she, 
that's been, you know, we are, you know, we, we refer to man as in you know, yes. the human race, man. So, you know, what is it? So it's political correctness gone mad. Or is it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it depends and I'm which torn over. Co- I'm totally torn from. over it as well. But the, I think what I got hung up on, and I'm not saying I'm right over this, because mm. I, let's be clear, 100% agree that as an industry, we could do with more women in the industry. Not that... Not for making up the numbers, mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, as, actually, as in a conservative or Labour Party uh, yeah, by election type. You know, thing, not yeah. you know, but but I think they can they can bring a lot to it. Well, there's like not, to there's see... a good argument for that as well. Cause, yeah, cause, no, cause, not because if you go, for, sorry, I'm just picking up. Yeah, yeah things you're saying if you do enforce, if you make it a kind of proactive discrimination, yeah, what yeah, they yeah. call it, yeah. then you know that will. Um, sort out the numbers and equal things out much more quickly. Yeah, but no, my point there wasn't whether or not you should do um, that kind of discrimination, positive discrimination. Mm. Um, it was more what, that we need women developers and designers within the industry because we miss out on stuff of that mm. that slightly different perspective and approach to things and all the rest of it. So I'm I'm totally fine with that. And and there are loads of you know I've spoken on the issue before I've written on the issue before um, I, I you know I've tried to support um, people like Anna Debenham that's been doing various things in in this area and various other people I've you know I've stood up against discrimination that I've, I've seen going on and stuff like that but writing a blog post and including the feminine in it seems like a tiny little thing in comparison to the actual issue. Does that make sense? Mm. It, yeah, I agree with you entirely. But I can kind of... I, I wouldn't have seen it. But I guess if you're sensitive to it... Yes. Then... It's perhaps a bigger deal to people. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm quite happy. Yeah. Next time I write an article, I'll you mix it me. up. I'm I not don't that... like first and second part person being referred to anyway. Well, yeah, because you write like a grumpy old man. <laughs> so you just shouldn't, shouldn't put yourself in that position in the first place, Paul. Well, yeah. no, with blog posts, I'm you joking. have to. Of course you do. But, of course, I then made think, because I responded to this, mm. of course, the first thing they went and did is, oh, Headscape's all got all men in it. Well, yeah, at the moment we do. Not quite. Well, no, you can count Liz, who we isn't Liz. on the website, actually. Kath's still on the website. Yeah, yeah. So we need to upload that. But, no, it's, uh, you know, at the moment, yes, we are all men, but it's not for want of flipping trying. Mm. Yeah. And, which it and, makes me think we need more women in the industry. And we haven't been, um, yeah, I mean, basically, Paul and I, we, we play the Jeremy Clarkson card, but... Frankly, we're a pair of blooming socialists, really. I know. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be. A, I shouldn't be a socialist. Today. I am. I am moving. I think. If I honestly, I catch myself occasionally mm. moving a bit more to the right because by this age, I should be kind of moving there. <laughs> by the time you're your mail and everything, yeah. I mean, you? by the time I'm your age, I should be reading the mail. Absolutely. <laughs> But I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. No, I mean, we, 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 t- talking about in Christian circles, I'm I'm Mister Super Liberal. You know, I'm I'm a big old hippie. Yeah, it depends on where, who you are talking to, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe what American Christian circles? Yeah, uh, maybe. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I always see most of the church oh, the t- people, oh, church in England, the church, yeah, the church people near me who um, are lovely, all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you grinning when you say that? Uh, are mostly the kind of yeah the very liberal beardy yes tweedy and um or hippie tweedy hippie new agey kind of borderline new agey on there yeah i know who you mean but all very wealthy yeah as well yeah kind of upper middle class yeah yeah Yeah. it's not like that in the kind of christian circles i i'm in yeah we love them no you don't you liar (laughs) what do they do to you 
They just built a blooming warehouse on the back of the church that they think looks pretty. Oh, I see. Uh, that's one thing well, they've done. see this, yeah, okay. Let's have, a, <laughs> let's have a little argument about that, right? <laughs> and they Be- didn't need planning permission for it. Oh, that's weird. No, that is peculiar. Because it's really, because my, my wife um, uh, grew up in a church in Maidstone in Kent that right. was a 12th century church, right? Don't think ours is quite that old, but right. it's old. Yeah, but anyway, it's somewhat irrelevant. I have a problem with this because the Church of England kind of gets stuffed from both angles on that because they're expected to pay and keep the building up to date, Mm -hmm. but it's supposed to be a place of worship. So what do they do? Because their church, her church is way flowing over, you know, there's just too many people and they can't. So what do you do? Do you, do you kind of pay for this building, which you can't use because it's not big enough? Well, you know, it really, I think Church of England should give all of their property to the National Trust and start a game. That's what I think. I was going to... Mikey, that's a different angle. Yeah, my just, I don't like the design of the building. It's not in keeping. Yeah. That's my problem. Well, how do, you build, how do you design a building that's in keeping with the 12th century church? Make it half the size would have been a good, been a good yeah, one. But then it's, <laughs> yeah, but then it's useless if your congregation is uh, no, 600 you, people just strong. Next time you go past our way, I'll Is it a monstrosity? It it's like, what? Okay. Well, why <laughs> didn't it's, they... on, it's on, you know, for me, one of the most beautiful sort of oak common slash... Uh, Village Greens, there is. Well, ah, actually on it, but it's right, right next, next to it. it. And it's like... <laughs> it is difficult. I, don't, I can see both sides of it. Yeah, anyway. Because I, I, like I don't the, lose sleep. The church, it. it's really funny. In Blandford, we've got parish church like you do, and mm. most of them. It's a, a bloody appalling state it is. Uh, falling apart, this mm. building. It's quite old. It's uh, Georgian. I think it's Georgian. And... Um, it's terrible, looks ugly, and everybody can be like, oh, it's such an eyesore. Why don't they sort it out? They ain't got any money. Mm. You know, and everybody moans about it, but what are they supposed to do? And they're stuck as a congregation of people with a shitty building that they can't do anything with when they could go just down the road and get a warehouse on the industrial estate that would do them 10 times better. Mm. We'd have central heating for a start and comfy chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Churches are shit. Old churches <laughs> are really shit. I think they should all be bulldozed. That's Jeremy Clarkson for you. Yeah. No, they shouldn't. They I'm should with be... people. I, I agree entirely. Not well, how do we same, get on to that? Not for the same reasons, but there you go. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. So, web design. Uh, so, this, I have to confess, this is... Let's a, not do it. No, this let's is a bit... Let's talk about other stuff. Shall we? The yeah. whole show. Because this is a crowbarred in. Mine's gone blank. Yeah. I said that. Because <laughs> this is a crowbarred in show. This isn't a real show. It's not a real show. <laughs> it's an imaginary one. Okay. I, I completely screwed up my scheduling. It's so complicated, this blog. It is so, blog. so complicated. I have, one goes after another, goes after another, goes after yeah, another. But yeah, but you say that. <laughs> you say that. But we. But it doesn't always work that way. Because also, in addition, you've got the two posts that go out every week, that the discussion points that we then discuss on the following week's podcast. But because of the Christmas break, somehow I screwed it up. Uh, so that the discussion points for this week's show haven't been released as we record this which okay. makes it hard yeah. to include people's questions yes but as it's there like, aren't any because well i haven't <laughs> i haven't i haven't posted any yet yeah. to inc- ask them for their questions and comments so we could have just made them up well, that's what we normally do <laughs> yeah. in fact 
I, was it last week or next week or some point we've we've actually got a question from someone called brad you know i say brad isn't always my yeah, default yeah. american name someone for, called brad has really um, written talking something. of brad yeah that reminds me of bradley cooper who's in american hustle i went to see oh what's i like one of the most enjoyable films I've seen in a long, long time. Really? Yes. It did look quite good, I have to say. It was, I was expecting a lot slicker and Hollywood than I got. Right, but okay. all the better for it being yeah. proper drama. It was brilliant. They, I must admit, the, the reviews about it have been really good. Yeah. I think I might add that to my list the of things The two women, see. and particularly the, the lead guy's wife. Right. She, just one of those... Uh, performances so it's it's almost one of the uh, it's a horrible comparison it's almost one of these love actually type of films with lots of different people Mm. having separate stories no No? oh where did i get that idea from then no not like that at all basically it's based on uh uh an actual scam that this guy in the fbi tried to do in the 1970s okay uh and it's all based and you know the the hair i just have to say the hair is stunning. I've oh, seen the, the costumes. The guys, are great. The guys yeah. in particular. Uh, yeah, the costumes, the setting, the acting, the story. It's not, but it's not hustle. You know, like the, the UK no. TV series hustle it was always like very slick and sort of. Yeah. Like, and magically, they made it all happen. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's, it's totally it's chaos. Much more re- real life, bit gritty in places. Right. But very funny in other places. Ah, um, cool. Yeah. Great. I'm looking film. forward to that. That's good. That was a tenuous link, but mm-hmm. never mind. So yeah, I thought what we'll do is we're gonna we're gonna add in an extra subject area, which actually should have been in there anyway, which is this idea of working with web professionals. One of the things that I cover when I talk about um, or do in this book, digital adaptation, is I talk about um, the relationship between the the client and the web designer and the client. Uh, and the boss and an employee in mm. the web teams. And so those are the kinds of things that I want to explore this week. We're going to look at two sections. Later on, we're going to look at, what I think, a, an upcoming recruitment crisis we're going to be seeing over the next year or so um, for really good, in fact, I think to be some degree it's already here, for really good web people. Um, and then the other situation, uh, the other thing that I want to talk about first is this idea of working alongside our clients. So as an external contractor, um, how do you work alongside your clients? And as a client, how do you want, or how should you want, your external contractors to work with you? So let's kick off and look at that one first. Didn't we talk about this last week, Paul? No. We didn't. Now, what I'm talking about here is not kind of methods of working between a client and an outside contractor, but actually, um, I want to encourage people, uh, either clients that are listening to this or web designers that are listening to this, to actually physically locate with one another and work side by side together in order to encourage collaboration and that kind of stuff. That, that, that's what I want to kind of look at. Okay. Because, I mean... No, that is... We didn't cover that last week. No, we didn't. And it's something that I, I'm... I Even though I've been... How long have I been doing web design? Bloody long time. 20, 20 years. No, mm. slightly less than that. Anyway, round about that. It's not until recently that I've kind of started thinking in that way. I think most... Like most web designers, um, I kind of take a brief from a client and then I come back to the studio or the office or my home or wherever Mm. I'm working and just kind of crack on with the project. And yeah, sure, you have kind of kickoff meetings and you have phone calls and emails and conference calls and all that kind of stuff. Um, But um, 
you know, it's not a kind of that's largely it. You know, it's it, it's not. And we're trying to we we talk a big talk about collaborative working, and we have for a long time, and we do work very collaboratively with clients. Mm-hmm. But I'm the more I'm thinking at the moment, I think the more I'm realizing the benefit of spending prolonged time at the client's place of work, working alongside them on the project. Interesting, because mm. I, I I know this started. There's a couple of reasons why this started. One is it started because I began to notice some of the web designers that I follow on Twitter kept talking a lot about going away and spending time with clients. So Andy Clark seems to be, um, you know, every, you know, spending like a fortnight working on a cl- uh, at a client's office and mm. stuff. And that that surprised me about Andy because he's an antisocial git like me and. And so he obviously saw some value in actually going and sitting mm. and working alongside clients. And Mark Bolton, when he was working with CERN, seemed to be out in Geneva every like five minutes doing stuff with them. Mm. So I kind of, that, I found that quite interesting. And, and it was, at first I, I was quite kind of dismissive of the approach, you know, feeling like it's a bit overkill and is it really necessary? Um, but as I've been thinking about it, I actually decided the reasons I'm, not a great fan of it or haven't been a great fan of it and more personal than they are actually professional that i don't mm. want to spend long time away from family etc um you know and we've had clients all over the world and you mm. could see yourself spending a lot of time traveling and that didn't appeal to me in my family circumstances although of course that's now all changed with the fact that we're homeschooling james so they can come with me and everything's different so perhaps that's why i'm really looking at it a little bit more because i'm now more open to the idea than i've previously been because if i look back we have done this on occasions Mm. right um when we went over with the large law firm in uh, Washington, mm-hmm. um, we spent a whole week with them, Nearly. working with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and that was really productive. I don't know about mm. you, but I find those times really productive. You make a lot of fast decisions when you're actually with yeah, the client. Yeah, we, we, did, we, so we did a similar um, kind of set of workshops with EDF as well yeah. uh, in Washington. It's the geography that enforces it. Yeah, um, but I actually think it's really beneficial. And of course, more recently, I've done it with the University of Strathclyde. You have. When I was up there for a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming to the idea that I actually quite like it. Mm. And I think it's, you seem hesitant. There was a, mm, that was a, mm. <laughs> not a, mm. It was a, mm. Uh, I, th- I think that collaboration and workshops in particular are really useful. I wonder about the value of sitting in a, in a situation that's alien to you, to one. Um, to one. And that can work for some people, not for others. I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I can, I'm I, I can see we we you, you have, we as you know as as a team we always collaborate a lot at the start of projects, and we're always presenting stuff and making videos of what we've done so that we can you know explain to, explain to our clients what we're what we're working on. Um, but I don't know if. If it's unfair to expect people to go away for long periods of time, if, if it's just uh, their job. Absolutely. absolutely. You know? And I don't disagree with that. And I think there is, um, there is a personal element to this. Mm. Absolutely. And, um, 
you know, especially as we, we always go on about headscape to lifestyle business, I certainly wouldn't want to force anyone to do that. <laughs> that reminds me. I think Lee actually tweeted that. When he was in Scotland, <laughs> this, this, this is supposed, supposed to be, be a lifestyle, lifestyle business. business. Yes, yeah, that, was, that was quite an intense week. Yeah. It, yes, it was a very lifestyle and friendly yeah. that week. Yeah. Um, no, so I wouldn't want to force people to do it. I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I want people to consider it as an option. Yes. Because I think it has got a lot, of, from a purely professional standpoint, it's got a lot of advantages. I mean, the thing that really struck me with working with Strathclyde is how much faster decisions could be made. Yeah, and, we, know, and we, as designers, we always moan about how long it takes things to be decided upon. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all that kind of waiting for email replies and getting voicemail messages when you call, and if, especially if you want to... Well, what we've found is, on many, many projects, is you'll get... Kind of tentative, tentative agreement from the team. Yeah, and then we've got to go, but we've got to, it's got to go via the committee tomorrow yeah. or, or the next day, and then that committee decides that it's going to have a load of opinions. Yeah, on and stuff. you're not there. And you're not there to contribute to that. Exactly. So well, if you were actually in the building, you could walk along the hall and, and talk sit to down those and talk people. to those people. Absolutely. So, so yeah. I like that, and then that was exactly the kind of stuff that we were doing in, in Strathclyde. So we would get. You know, um, Ashley Down, who was the, the kind of design guy that was in, uh, controlling the brand, and he would look through stuff, you know, just what do you think of this kind of stuff? And it, it made the whole thing much faster decision-making. And it also, it helped the, avoid misunderstandings as well, especially when you've got multiple stakeholders involved. Because um, you can speak to those stakeholders directly rather than the kind of Chinese whispers of you brief... Mm you know the the client uh, you know your single point of contact and then they take it out and they you know you spend half an hour briefing them and asking all the right pertinent questions and then they go off and hand over the design and say what do you think yeah yeah. you know Ugh. and we kind of we have ways of getting around that because we do the videos where we yeah. we um basically put the design into a video where we can explain it so people can't see the design without seeing our explanation all the rest of it but it's still not as good as sitting down with them in a room mm. and, and being a, and also not getting the feedback secondhand as well. Cause that's another aspect, you know, where a stakeholder, you know, you say if you were the stakeholder and I was the client, I come to you and say, what do you think of the design? You say, well, yeah, it's all right. I'm not really that keen on the blue, right? No blue. Right. Well, that isn't what you said. You didn't say no yeah, blue. Yeah, you said, yeah. well, I'm not really very keen on it. But things get interpreted. Oh, no, we must get rid of the blue now. And and there's no dialogue there. So yeah. I think that's where misunderstandings come and problems come. Um, and it's, But even setting aside that kind of the con- that advantage, being able to kind of constantly show the client's ideas and discuss directions, provide a much kind of clearer dialogue that I think just removes misunderstandings and miscommunications. Co- co- yeah. And it also encourages closer collaboration, you know, because the client and you are sitting together, you're operating as a single team. So while um, you do the design and build, the client should be kind of working on content, at least on smaller projects where there isn't a content specialist. Mm. And that enables a greater sense of, you know, because there's that close collaboration and you're showing the client, you know, oh, I've moved the logo a bit to the left or whatever you're doing. It gives them a sense of ownership over the final deliverables and, and kind of removes that client provider barrier. One of the, th- oh, sorry, client supplier barrier. One of the things I loved about Strathclyde is that um, this huge sense of freedom that that came from that 
all being part of the same team, not being an us and them scenario. Um, and of course, when you collaborating closely, there's a lot more flexibility in the project. Sort of the client writing a brief and the web designer delivers on that brief. You can kind of discuss things and work in partnership and adapt the scope as required as you go. Because you're working hand in hand, the client sees what you're doing and recognizes that if something needs to change in the scope, then something else has to be dropped because he, he and she has, he or she, you notice I put he or she in this, um, this article is really interesting. <laughs> um, he or she will have a better understanding of the work that's being done. Because that's the big problem. It's like, you know, um, when there's a distance between you, you know, you come to me with an idea, say, I want to add this to the site. And I go, well, yeah, but that's kind of outside of scope. Um, well, if he can see, if you can see how busy I am working on the project to get everything done, you then understand that, okay, if we introduce this new thing, there's something else to be dropped out of it, rather than it just looking like I'm being objectionable, you know, and being difficult. Yeah. So I think that flexibility works well. And of course, it builds trust as well, because you're seeing each other work and the client can see how hard you're working on the project. Um, and, you know, that helps build and deepen the relationship that goes on. Uh, and it becomes more than just fulfilling the contract. You know, you will deliver these templates. I think there's more flexible. That's where more flexibility comes in. Um, and I think that, you know, I think, I think it's impossible to create that kind of level of trust through email, phone calls and the occasional meetings than sitting and working side by side. And also it's a mutual, the final thing I wanted to mention is it's a mutual education thing that both parties learn from one another. The client learns more about the web design process because they're sitting with you. You know, you can never do that to the same degree remotely. Um, but equally, you understand more about the constraints that the client is working on because you're seeing and interacting with the other stakeholders. Um, you know, so kind of everybody benefits from that. Um, so... But it's not without its problems, as you, you said right at the beginning. I think personally it can cause problems and impact the way you work together. And, I, and also I hadn't considered what you said about um, not being in your kind of your own setup. And your yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, you can argue potentially that if you were in a really noisy room, you were used to working at home and being quiet, you'd actually struggle to, to work. Yeah. And you wouldn't do, you wouldn't be as productive. And there was a degree, even like um, when we went up to Strathclyde is I really missed my big monitor and, you know, yeah. things like that, you know, and mm. getting on the Wi-Fi in the corporate office, you know, took half a day, you know, all of that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And, and then of course there's, there's the additional costs associated with doing that travel, subsistence and accommodation. Yeah. Although, Ideally, you'd want to price these into projects. The problem is then that that may well, you know, especially where we work with a lot of companies that are a long way away from us, then yeah. that it's like suddenly what you're basically saying, you'd be much better off hiring a local supplier who didn't yeah. have travel subsistence and accommodation costs. So it's all it, there are pros and cons, and I'm not saying there's not, but I'm just saying that I think it's something worth trying out because I think it has got considerable benefits to it. Um, but it's got to be a personal decision about whether you want to do it. I'm, I'm keen to try it a bit more this year because my circumstances have changed. I quite like the idea of working you on actually, sites. You actually want to do it, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, and that's half the reason why I wrote the article because suddenly I was getting quite excited about stuff that previously mm. would have just been a pain in the neck. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, it's an interesting area and I'd like to do some more of it. 
I sort of already got to say on that one. Okay. There wasn't a lot else to say. Sales pitch then, basically. It wasn't a sales pitch. <laughs> I know. I, I, it, I, it was more a... Um, me expressing what where I think there are areas where we have avoided in the past. Mm. And I don't know... And I'm fine avoiding them because if we don't want to do them... Yeah. Um, because that's the whole point of having the business model that we have. But I think from a professional point of view, they're probably more beneficial. Yeah. All right. Maybe. Should we... Um, move on. Move on. You've got nothing else to say on this, no, have you? Nothing at all. You don't care. Well, you don't have to do it, you see, because you just waltz around selling shit. <laughs> I don't. It's not true. I do other things as well. I do twice as many things as you do, Paul. How do you work well out? Um, Actually, no, basis? that's unfair. It's probably more like two-thirds more. <laughs> two-thirds more. Well, apparently, all I do is watch Jeremy Kyle all day. That's what we decided in yeah, Slack. That's right. Isn't that interesting? Sorry, this is now going off tangent completely. How well Slack has worked. So Slack is an mm. app that we use. It's just a chat app, right? And we used mm. to use something called HipChat. Yeah. Which was... It wasn't as good for some reason. I don't know why. Let's see. Link in the show notes to Slack, by yeah. the way. See, see how, where, we, where we are in, I don't know, four months' time. You reckon we'll get bored of it? It'll be, it'll be like... But I really Nothing like, in there. Uh, I, don't <laughs> I don't know whether you're right. I'm really enjoying it. Perhaps it's because we've got slightly more home workers than we have previously. Because mm. it really... I spend a lot of time in there now. I just don't only work. <laughs> just chat with people in Slack. <laughs> I'm so glad. Did you see my tweet yesterday? I'm so glad that, they, that some of those Slack conversations are not public. I didn't. Well, I did see some of your tweets yesterday. I can't remember which one. What? Sorry, Paul. What were you referring to? <laughs> Do you want me to tell them? <laughs> I like the fact that that Chris Henderson posted one of your Maldives <laughs> posters, or pictures rather. So I was uh, to annoy you. Yeah, that was brilliant. I was moaning about how miserable I am. <laughs> posted pictures of the Maldives to make me feel even more miserable. One of your pictures. Yeah, though, I know. That was a better. real kicker. <laughs> Bastard. Yes. He shouldn't be allowed in the chat room. <laughs> his northern ways. We ought, we ought to have him on the show at some point, but I do fear that no one will actually understand him. Well, we could do subtitles of some sort, couldn't we? We could have somebody sitting next to him, repeating <laughs> yeah, it all in the properly. Queen's English. Yes, exactly. yes. That's, that's <laughs> good idea. I like that. Okay, let's move on to the second subject for the day. So this is the one where I got in trouble for the, the lack of she's. Okay, but actually, I think you know, setting that aside, we've we've done that conversation to death. But but yeah. but I'm not going to let it lie. But I'm not going <laughs> to let it lie. The post itself is a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> if I do say okay, so yeah. myself, well, I can tell it was a pretty good one because it got shared a lot. Okay, um, and but, but, but that's because um, everyone couldn't believe, you know. How, how male chauvinist it was. Outrageous it was. Uh, yeah. no. Um, I, no, I knew it was going to get shared a lot. And I'll tell you why. Because it was talking about how um, hard done by it, um, web designers are. So you can pretty much guarantee it's going to get shared a lot if you do that. Ooh, it's hard being a web designer. Why? Well, it's really <laughs> directly about that. So what, I'm, what the article is about is that um, I believe... If, um, that we're heading towards, I believe, a, I believe yeah. that we're heading towards a recruitment crisis in digital. So we're already okay. seeing. Well, it's becoming. <laughs> I think it's becoming harder and harder to recruit good people. It's always been hard to recruit good developers. 
Yes. It's never not been hard. No, that's true with developers, I agree. But I think it's... It, but you mean like front-end developers? Yeah, I think it's because, well. just generally, I think it's becoming tricky. I mean, we're already seeing it, a, a real serious problem in digital hotspots like the Valley, for example. The Valley. I always and say it like that. And Brighton, yeah. And Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> Brighton the Valley. Um, and even though someone in the comments disagreed with me, um, he, that he doesn't think that there is a shortage in recruitment crisis. He talks about how the fact that there's a, um, that um, you know why aren't uh, designers and developers pulling in big salaries? I think I think there is there isn't a crisis in the kind of low end little websites. I'm talking about you know highly skilled web professionals. That well, I tell you what, what this was born out of. It. Again, it comes a bit out of the book a bit. Um, that one of the things that I talk about in the book is that increasing digital becomes increasingly important. More and more companies are going to need a strong digital team, right? Mm, yes. But not just a strong digital team, but strong leaders, right? That can you know that can talk to senior stakeholders and mm. you know and hold their own in a corporate environment. Mm. And I think there's a real shortage of people that can do that. Yes, I agree. Um, and that's kind of what I was getting at, really. Uh, and it kind of, that got me thinking about um, just the whole area of recruitment. I think, for me, it comes down to the fact that the business world is, is kind of changing and that digital is becoming increasingly a key component in, you know, to a business's success. Um, you know, whether you're selling kitchens, kitchens or raising money for cancer research, you have to have a good digital strategy these days. And although most um, businesses seem to be outsourcing them to external agencies at the moment, I don't really think that's a long-term solution. Your digital strategy needs to be owned um, by so someone in the company. So you're saying that we should be planning our retirement fairly fairly quickly? No, I think there's... Always, I like that idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's something, it's, it is something that's seriously gone through my head. I don't want to go from 55 to 60 with no work. I'd rather have planned. Yes. And retired. Yes. No, I think there's always going to be a place for external specialists, mm. but I do feel like that to for for you for an organization where digital becomes crucial to that the success of that organization, mm-hmm. um that having a constantly outsourcing what is a crucial business component A is bad practice. Um, and secondly, is going to be cost prohibitive over the long term. So I think more and more organizations are going to have digital teams. And yes, they may get specialists to help them kick them off in mm. their digital strategy or to, to get that outside perspective every once in a while. But it's going to have to be managed internally, increasingly. Um, and I think there are already a lot of organizations that have realized this and they've hired a small team of web professionals mm. But I think recruiting and retaining these staff are going to be increasingly hard as demand grows, right? And I think a lot of organisations are already seeing a high turnover of staff, um, let alone, you know, they are recruiting them. And also, you know, there's the the whole thing of uh, agency over um, client, for want of a better word, work, is... If you if you work for the same organisation, you're working on the same site all the time. Yeah, it's very could in, could in theory be quite dull. Yeah, 
And I think more, as more companies realise they need an in-house team, then it's going to get more and more difficult to find experienced people. Mm. Now, of course, over the long term, the free market will compensate for this as more people come into the, the industry. Oh, you know, you get good jobs in web design. Mm. Um, and they'll retrain with these new skill sets. However, there's going to be a considerable period of time when there's not enough good people to go round because they're, they don't have the experience yeah, yeah. that, you know, old codgers like you and me have. Um, <laughs> you know, and so I think those that have got, those companies that have got good staff over that period of time are going to have a significant competitive advantage. So the, you come then to what can you do about the problem? Well, whether you've already got a digital team or not is somewhat of an irrelevance. If you, if you have one now, then you're going to be faced with the challenge of retaining those staff against when there's high demand and a lot of people trying to headhunt and steal staff. And, of course, if you haven't got a team, then you've got the problem of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be tempted to think that the key is simply to offer a lot of money. Um, but I don't think it really is. For a start, I don't think that's a sustainable route for any business. And anyway, you know, because it's going to lead to spiraling salaries. But I I actually think, in fact, that good digital people, money is just a tiny part of the the thing for you. I mean, you just talked a minute ago about boredom being a thing of working Mm. on the same site. I think very different things motivate good digital people to just kind of a high salary um i don't think cash is their primary motivator so how do you go about um retaining and recruiting good web staff well i've kind of been thinking about several areas and what we've invested our time in and and that kind of thing um first one is uh, probably the most superficial of them all but i think it's an important one which is a good working environment um you know and i think it's really important to be clear about who you're up against you're right. You're not just up against the competitors in your sector, right? So you're not. If you are, I don't know. Um, if you sell, I don't know widgets. You're not just up against other widget sellers for recruiting those staff. Mm-hmm. You're up against, you know, other agencies like us that yep. would be recruiting the same kind of people. You're up against Twitter, and Facebook. We are really cutthroat. We are really, yeah. um, and Google. <laughs> And the, you know, Twitter, Facebook and Google, I mean, they provide incredible working environments for people and they invest heavily in that kind of stuff. And web professionals are used to working in an environment that allows them to work and play hard, I think, because I think a lot of web professionals typically work long hours and so expect their place of work to be a kind of nice place to work because they spend a lot of time in it. They spend the majority of their working hours in it. And I think also equipment is really important. This is a real bugbear for me. It really pees me off because I go into a lot of obviously internal web teams. And, you know, and like recently I was working with a company, uh, well, it's Strathclyde again. Um, and I produced a little um, video and it took me half an hour, right? Mm. I recorded a little voiceover. I took a few pictures around the office, whacked them over, shoved some background music. And I did the whole thing on my iPhone right Mm. and and they recently asked me i'm going up and doing some training and they really want to know how i did that right Mm. oh well it's easy if you've got a mac and you've got you know an iphone stuff like they're stuck with crappy old dells Mm. you know because everyone in the company has those yeah right it's a standard issue and i just think that's absolutely ridiculous that as web professionals people are expected to work with the same computer hardware as somebody in accounting you know it just 
Mm. It doesn't make sense as far as I'm concerned. And that I think that where professionals should have the best equipment to enable to do them job, uh, their job effectively. I, you know, I've got this kind of image of a plumber turning up at your house to fix your plumbing and he turns up with B&Q value tools, you know, the same kind of stuff that I've got. You know, I, I'd kind of go, ooh, I don't know. You know, that mm. just doesn't feel right, does it? It's not right. He will have the best tools to do the job. I think, although it probably, that is probably a, a more reali- realistic analogy, the way you would get it through would be to compare, I don't know, somebody who works on CAD yeah, it has to have a particular type of computer with a particular type of software uh, and a dirty, great, big printing machine as they used to do. Yeah, um, which not everyone in the company would have one of those. Would no, they? so and I think and print designers have got away with this for years. I'm a print designer. I have to have a Mac. Yeah, so the same applies. You just need to people just need to get a bit more backbone and say these are the tools I require. But to be quite, yeah, yes, <laughs> I totally agree with that. They do. But also, if you're trying to ret- uh, attract and retain good people, they shouldn't. E- this shouldn't even be an issue. You no. shouldn't. You know, if I went for a job interview, it wouldn't occur to me. Exactly, you wouldn't even ask, would you? No, I would just presume that I get so- what I need to do my job properly. I'd love to see you trying to work for another company. I know that would be hilarious. Oh, I am unemployable. You are completely unemployable. Um, so I think that I think investing in your work environment is important important aspect of attracting and retaining good staff. The second the, the second area I wanted to look at was flexibility. Um, mm. I, I I've become convinced that high quality digital staff think and work in a very different way to most traditional businesses, right? Because I think most traditional businesses are really built on the principles of the industrial revolution, right? where you have a, a workplace mentality structured around the nine-to-five factory floor, okay? Um, and I think digital workers expect considerable more flexibility than that. You know, they expect to be able to work flexible hours. So we sent an email around in this regard yesterday, didn't I? Going, does anybody mind if from now on I start at 10 and work through later because I can't get up in the mornings because I'm a lazy git? And you were like, yeah, actually, you didn't reply. No, I'm disgusted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's that kind of. I think that flexibility should should be. Ba- I've now been thrown by <laughs> saying I'm disgusted by my demands. Unprofessional. But I, 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 we get into our we we treat people like they're factory workers, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, these are highly skilled individuals, and if they want to work in a slightly different way then they should be able to. That shouldn't be a problem. Of course, they've got to still turn up to meetings. Of course, they've got to, you know, um, be around, you know, to, to deal with certain issues or whatever. But it, we need to trust people to manage themselves more. And this comes on to my next point, which is control. Trust, yeah. Trust trust people to do the job properly, etc. Yeah. And I, I and we are flexible. And, yeah. You know, we, it starts at 10. Chris Anderson starts at half seven in the morning. Yeah. To fit around people's lifestyles. Lifestyle. Although Chris Again. Anderson's a freak, in my opinion. Um, it starts that early. Uh, but the, the actual reality is that human beings work when it's light. Um, and there is, a, even though you can't be complete, so most pe- people work during the day when it's light and that's when business happens. So you have to be a little bit realistic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not... And it's just a bit, you basically be a bit... Yeah. A bit of leeway. I'm not, I'm not saying 
You know, I'm completely happy with you know if there is a good reason, then you know, fair enough. Mm. You know, if if we, but if you think about it, we're having to work outside of nine to five anyway because um, our American clients we have to do evening calls with them sometimes. Yeah. So w- we expect staff to be flexible with us. Mm-hmm. You know, or if there's a conference where they have to go away for a couple of days, you know, well, my evening's not my own now because I'm away at a conference, you know, and I've had to cancel my line dancing or my <laughs> ballet or whatever it is I do. It's ballet that I do, Paul. Uh, oh, obviously. right. I'm a line dancer person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it should go both ways. You should. Yes, I took, but you are right, you, you know, but it, it's, it's about control as well. It, we, so many organizations I come across still treat digital professionals like they're factory workers, right? Mm. That they're kind of, um, I, they're unskilled workers. You have to tell them exactly what to do and how to do their job. And it's dum, 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 you know, you crank this widget twice that way and you turn this handle that way and out comes whatever. And it just isn't like that. They're highly skilled individuals who are experts at what they do. More expert than the people they're reporting into in their field, mm. right? So as a result, you can't, you can't micromanage them. You have to let them shape their own work days. And if you want to attract and keep digital people, you have to give them control over their own jobs. Now, I'm not suggesting you go as far as the software company Valve. Do you know what Valve do? No. It's just awesome. Not the only ones. GitHub do it as well, right? Valve and GitHub. um, uh, Basically, in Valve, when you arrive, you're employed by Valve, right? You're not employed to do a specific job, really, Mm. right? You're just employed as a programmer, Mm. okay? Because they, you know, they do Half-Life and yeah, yeah. games like that. So you turn up at the company on day one. No one tells you what to do, right? Their, their office is open plan. You have a desk with wheels on, right? And what you do is you go around and you talk to people, right? And they all tell you about the various projects they're working on. Mm. And then the one you like, you join, right? Okay. And it sounds chaos. And then over time... You, can, you could decide on day one, to, if you wanted, to start your own project. But you need to be able to attract people mm. and make, get to them to agree happen. to work yeah. with yeah. you to make it happen. So basically, it's survival of the fittest project. project. If it's mm. an attractive and good enough project, then you go and work for it. Now, you think to yourself, how does things like the shitty jobs get done? Mm. The jobs that have to get done. Well, what happens is, is that people will agree to do the shitty jobs to get themselves kudos... So that other people are more likely to join their project when they do a project. Right, yeah. So, um, and also some um, projects, um, uh, some projects get funding if they get enough. And so they'll sometimes pay bonuses and extras to people to do the shitty jobs. Right. So it's really, it's quite clever. And I, but I'm not suggesting you go that far. <laughs> um, all I'm suggesting um, is that you give digital staff a sense of ownership over what they're working on, that they have some control mm. over what they're working on. And I'd love to do, I'd love to push us a bit further at Headscape over that um, in terms of, I, I don't know how it would work quite, but I feel like there's more we could do in that area, but I don't, I haven't worked out yet. You're looking at me, you crossed your arms and you're grinning at me, which yeah. is a sign of Paul's talking bullshit uh, and he's off on a, some idealistic fantasy. Yeah, carry on, keep going. I'm, enjoy, like, I'm enjoying example, it. Okay, for example, with Dan, right? Yeah. Dan is just taking over um, the build of a Headscape and Boag world. Yes. And I'm really keen to be hands off on that mm-hmm. and let him do I, what he wants to do. And I've said exactly the same to him. Yes. 
until it's not what we want, and then we'll and then we'll then we'll say no, Dan, do this. Yeah, crank that handle and yeah. turn that screw. Yeah, can you move it? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, what it comes down to is a digital worker should be the key decision maker in how his work is done. Mm. And I think, and this is maybe a bit more radical, on the timescales that he does it over. So he should agree that something is going to take X amount of time. Mm, yeah, again, real world doesn't work like that. Because... Well, we do it all the time. When you write a proposal, who's the first thing, person you ask about timescales? Um, yeah, well, that's not the point I'm going to make. So goalposts move and, people, and project managers come into their own when goalposts are being moved by clients. Uh, and often things have to be squeezed then. And we have to say to guys, look, sorry, but we need to squeeze this into a shorter time than we originally said would be the case. And then at, at that point, they are not choosing how long it takes for them to do the piece of work. So mm, I wonder how often that actually happens without the, you know, if, if Ed or Dan turned around and said, that's really going to screw things up. Would we still squeeze them? No, we'd come to a compromise. Yeah. So yeah. So we are giving people control. Yeah. We are working with them. So that was another one anyway that mm. I wanted to raise. But the next one I wanted to, um, or last one I wanted to talk about is learning. And I reckon this is probably the biggest... I thought big- you say love. Then. Learn. <laughs> love. You need to love your digital stuff. Um, I think... We do. Yeah, we do. We lots, do. Of, lots of hugs and kisses. All the time. I know. It's quite disturbing. Um... Yeah, I think this is probably the biggest thing for most uh, digital professionals. It would certainly be a big thing if I was ever to take a job. That that fear of I'm going to end up in a dead-end job where I'm not going to keep up with the latest innovations and I'm going to be not be able to get a job after this. I'm going to become unemployable. Um, and I think too many companies don't invest. It's funny, weren't we? You were just talking about conferences and training budgets before mm. we came in here, weren't we? Yeah. Too many companies don't invest in their staff. Um, and the web moves at such a phenomenal way, rate that keeping up with, you know, is a major undertaking for anybody. And I just feel that too few companies fail to recognize this. And the irony is they hire digital workers for their knowledge, mm. right? Because they're experts in an area, but fail to invest in that on knowledge to make sure it stays current. Um, and I think if you want to attract and retain digital staff, you need to give them the space to learn. Um, and that means giving them some downtime in which they can learn in much the same way as Google gives its staff time to work on personal projects, or used to anyway. They don't do it as much anymore. Um, or whether it's giving them, as we do, a budget to attend conferences, buy books, or go on training. But you, you need to do something. Mm. And it doesn't need to be as expensive as it sounds. To be honest, time, I think, is more important than money. Um, if you're constantly looking to maximize your productivity, which again goes back to this kind of factory mentality of, you know, we will more, the only way you can make more profit is by being more and more efficient. Mm. You know, uh, if you're looking to maximize productivity all the time, then your digital staff are going to have no time to experiment with new techniques. And that's going to lead to no new innovations, um, no chance to test new approaches, etc. Mm. Um and all of this, I think, is about changing the way that we think. It's about moving out of that kind of industrial economy into a digital economy and way of thinking. Um, but unfortunately, the economy is changing very fast while our thinking is adapting quite slowly. 
And we're still using kind of old rules of managing staff that I don't think apply a lot of the time. Um, we still think we're employing low-skilled individuals to do kind of repetitive tasks. Mm. And we need to look at our employees as self-motivated, experienced and, and highly skilled, in my opinion. But, hey, what do I know? No, I agree, Paul. Good. Well, most people in the comments, some really good comments about this. And I think most people seem to, um, you know, agree that, that a lot of thinking... You're in a male chauvinist. Well, yeah, a lot of them that. agree that as well. Actually, to be honest, it's only one little thread, but, you know, I worry. I worry you about do. what people think yeah. of me. It's important. I do too. Right, should we do a joke? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of having to scrape the barrel a bit. More jokes, please. Are you getting desperate? Yeah. Well, that's no good. Um, yeah, this is not very good. It is from Ian. Always oh, from Ian Esky. I've found some at the bottom of the... Ian, other, no, uh, you have to call him Sir Ian now, because okay. we knighted Knight, him last week. I- yes, knight of the slightly oval table that we're sat around. Um, a photon checks into a hotel and the porter asks him if he has any luggage. The photon replies, no, I'm travelling light. <laughs> My son will love that. There you go. Physics I've, joke. I've I'll got, tell I've him got that another tonight. physics joke. Oh, Two on. physics jokes. Never trust, an a- never trust an atom. They make up everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely telling those to there you go. tonight. Two science jokes He'll make you. He'll be very happy. Which I thought were a bit rubbish, but there you go. Yeah, they are a little bit. They're nerdy jokes, aren't yes. they? Not for the likes of you. Because <laughs> I'm so cool. You're, you're just <laughs> too cool for cats. <laughs> well, yeah, let's be honest, mine. As if you take... Certainly the directors of Headscape, you, you would be the coolest out of the three of us, wouldn't you? If we're, if we're honest about it. Even, even as a company as a whole, I think you're bordering on being the coolest. <laughs> you know, I know you're considerably older, but if you, look at, if you look at your competition, it isn't a lot, is it really? It doesn't take a lot to be cooler than me and Chris. I don't know, I think you're quite cool. You, don't do, you travel around the world. Yeah, but... Yeah. You holiday in the Maldives, Paul. Does that make me cool? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, well, it depends whether geeky is considered cool these days. I'm thinking about buying a sports car, which, makes, really? which makes me laugh so much. Oh, I, I am so at the point funny. of middle-aged... Yeah. Good for you, Mike. Why not? That's what everyone way. said. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what, really? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, how old are you now? 40, very nearly 47. You're definitely time for a midlife yeah. crisis. I'm nearly 50. I've already had Mike. Nearly as old as Chris. I know. <laughs> he hasn't bought a sports car. No, I wonder what he's... He's, he's you, squirreled away more money. See, I, no, I've just he got has this... a different safe to I've put got this in. feeling... I've started watching Dexter again recently. I don't know. Dexter is... It's, um, it's a TV series about um, a mass murderer, right? Okay. And he's a serial killer. Right. But he, he projects this very normal character. And you actually quite like the guy. Right. But he... Bas- serial killer on the side. Yeah. He only he only kills on bad the people. Side. On the side. On the side. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I just look at Chris sometimes and think... What, and think he's a mass murderer? You, no, I think there might be something. Some little hidden <laughs> secret. Do you know what I mean? He can hear every word we're saying. I know. I just think there's something. So he's got a secret. That's okay. what I think. Chris, he probably has. What do you reckon? I don't know. But it, I, Another family somewhere. <gasps> That's what it is. Well, my wife... Because I, I, I can't remember what year it was. So 2009. I probably went to Aberdeen. Eight times. Yeah. <laughs> so it became the in-joke that I was off to see my off Aberdeen family. Off to see family. family. Yeah. Well, I applied for a mistress online, but I failed horribly. Yeah, I saw that. It made me giggle. My wife told me off. It was I really... want to know what she did to make you say that. 
No, was, I don't. I don't want to. It was, it was really dull. Well, she, she failed to give me sympathy when I wanted it. So I said, that's it. I'm going to get myself a 20-something mistress. And I'm going to advertise on Twitter to do it. And then, of course, my son overheard and said, you'll never do that, Dad. So then I had to. <laughs> uh, knowing that I would then get massively told off by people online. Yes. So there we go. All right. Well, that's this week's show. Um, Jeremy Clarkson will be proud. Um, yeah. And we shall return next week with more um, inappropriate behaviour. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. <laughs>